Well, they started with a terrible rainstorm, didn't it? Did it rain where you were at? Well, I'll tell you, we were driving up on uh, Route 8 there, and uh, whew, we hit a patch, and that thing, like, torrential came down, and winds, and the rain was going sideways. It wasn't coming out. It was going this way. And, uh, boy, I'll tell you, it was really something else. But we endured the storm, and we're here, and the sun is shining. Amen. 2020. Can you believe it? <laughs> it sounds like it's still future, doesn't it? 2020. Telling the folks in the earlier service, it says, in high school, we had to read a book, and maybe some of you did too, written by George Orwell, called 1984. And that was, I think, in the 60s. And it seems so far away, 1984. You know, and we have far surpassed that. And, of course, Y2K came and gone, and not a hiccup. God is still in control of all things. Well, I'm glad to be back with you. I know I'm not usually back this soon, just two weeks, and I'm back again. And uh, I won't be with you next Sunday. We'll be preaching a revival up in Vermont, as we do every year on that particular weekend up in Essex Junction, uh, up in Vermont. Uh, but we'll be back a week later, so you just can't seem to get rid of me. Uh, I'll tell you, you know, and no matter, uh, even with illness, I'm going to come. No matter how sick you get of me, I'm still going to come back. <laughs> so. But I thank the Lord for the privilege of being here and for the good news and the good report uh, on, on your pastor. You just never know what turns in life may occur, but we're so glad when they turn good, don't we? Uh, because, and uh, I know the pastor appreciates your prayers, and uh, I enjoy being here. I wish he was here as, as well, but uh, God always has his plan, and God always has his way. If you take your Bibles today and turn to Luke chapter 13, here we are in a new year. Last Sunday was the first Sunday of the new year. Today is the second Sunday. If you were here last Sunday, and certainly you're here today, you have perfect attendance for the year. <laughs> Just keep on going. When was it... Uh, about 50 more Sundays, and you will be there, and you have a perfect attendance. To, I can't think of any place better to be than in the house of the, of the Lord. In the Gospel of Luke, and uh, beginning with verse number 6, the Bible says, He spake also a parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted up in his vineyard, and he came and sought fruit thereon, and found none. Then he said to the dresser of his vineyard, Behold, these three years I come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none, cut it down. Why cumbereth it the ground? And he, that was the dresser, and he answering said unto him, Lord, let it alone this year also, till I dig about it and dung it. And if it bear fruit, well. And if not, then after that, thou shall cut it down. I wonder if we have an understanding of what great preaching is. I wonder if we really have an understanding that great preaching does not be that which may be personally appealing to us. Uh, I was out in Rhode Island several years ago preaching church, and a woman met me at the door after the service. And she came up to me and said something to me I never heard before. She came up to me, and she was a very stern-looking woman, 
very stern looking. And uh, she, she looked at me, she says, Brother Sousa, I want you to know, I never liked you. <laughs> now, I knew there were people out there who probably didn't like me, but I don't know if I'd ever meet one or not. And she said, no, I never liked you. Every time you came, I cringed. I would volunteer to work in a nursery so I wouldn't have to hear you preach. And I just avoided you. She says, and I just didn't like you. But I'm here today to ask you to forgive me because I've changed. I didn't go to any details. But she said, you said something this morning that changed everything about it. And said, please forgive me. And of course, the forgiveness was really given. But what is great preaching? Is it a bunch of flowery words? Uh, is it just a bunch of catchy phrases all strung together, you know, and maybe rhyming or something like that? Is it some great pious tone in which we preach about God? Is it, what is great preaching? I think that great preaching can be summed up in this thought. Great preaching is making the word of God clear and plain and applicable to our life. That would be great, great preaching. You might not always like the preacher, but separate the preacher from the message. I heard about this young boy come home from Sunday school, and he said, Mama, 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 guess what? She said, what's that, honey? God called me to preach. He said, son, you're only 10 years old. God didn't call you to preach. Mama, I'm telling you, God called me to preach. But you're just 10. God didn't call you to preach. Mama, God called me to preach. Well, if God called you to preach, let me hear you preach. And the little red hen came in the barnyard. See, son, get out of here. I told you God didn't call you to preach. Well, a few weeks went by, he come home from Sunday school again. And he says, Mama, Mama, uh, uh, God called me to preach. Then we already went through this. God didn't call you to preach. You're 10 years old. Mama, God called me. Then go ahead and preach. He says, okay, Mama. And bless God, the little red hen came in the barnyard. Glory to Jesus. You got it, son. You got it. <laughs> and sometimes we look at style more than content. I think we could all agree there was no greater preacher than that of the Lord Jesus Christ on this earth. Greatest teacher and the greatest preacher of all times. And I guess sometimes we could have a pretty high opinion of ourselves, some of us preachers. Was that preacher that went up into the bedroom and his wife was under the bed and and no, he was on in the bedroom and and, and under looking under the bed and found a shoebox. And she came up and she saw him and, oh, she got real embarrassed right away. He looked into the shoebox and he couldn't figure out. In the shoebox, there were two eggs and $2,000 in cash. And he says, honey, I don't understand. The shoebox, you got two eggs and $2,000. She says, well, honey, to tell you the truth, it's a little system I have. She said, what's that? Said, Every time you preached a bad sermon, I put an egg in the box. Ooh, that's only two. <laughs> that's not too bad. She said, well, two eggs, that's pretty good. So what about the $2,000? She said, honey, when I got a dozen, I sold them. 
But do we really understand great preaching? Do we really understand that ministry of, 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 of preaching? Jesus always used simple illustrations. You ever notice that? Simple little thoughts. A sower went forth to sow. There's a man had two sons. Just a simple illustration with great spiritual uh, meaning behind it. And here, again, is a parable. We know it's a parable because the Bible says it's a parable. When it's a parable, the Bible says it's a parable. If it's not a parable, the Bible won't say it's a parable. You say, and, and we can't make something be a parable if Jesus didn't say it was a parable. And a parable is just some type of illustrative story that has spiritual truth behind it. And here Jesus is giving this account about a fig tree. And I believe there's something this morning God wants you to know and God wants me to know entering this year of 20, uh, 2020. We look back in just a little bit in Mark chapter 11, keeping this passage in mind. In Mark the 11th chapter and verse number 12. And on the morrow... When they were come to Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing a fig tree afar off having leaves, he came, if happily he might find anything thereon. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves. The time of figs was not yet. And Jesus answered and said unto it, No man eat of thee hereafter forever. And his disciples heard it. Here's another illustration Jesus is using concerning a fig tree. There's something in here that God wants us to know. And so he came to this fig tree. And this was not a parable. This was an actual account. He was hungry, looking for figs, didn't find any, cursed the tree. But then I want you to go down to verse number 19. And when evening was come, he went out of the city. And in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, calling to remembrance, saith unto him, Master, behold, the fig tree, which thou cursest, is withered away. Now, I'm not sure if this fig tree is related to the other one in Luke. <laughs> but they both had the same problem. They both had the same shortcoming. They both were fruitless. Now, there's only one reason why you would plant a fig tree, and that is to get a smart group here this morning, <laughs> to get figs. And he came to this fig tree. It had leaves, but it had no fruit. Now, the fig tree is a little bit different than most other trees. Most trees, when it comes bearing time, there's a variety of fig tree in which most trees you get the leaves, you get the blossom, right, and then you get the fruit. Fig tree is not like that. The variety of a fig tree is that the figs come first, and when the figs are ripe and ready, the leaves come. So by the mere fact that it had leaves, it was testifying, hey, I'm fruitful. But when the Lord went to it, it was barren. That had no fruit, and sad was the result of it. Now, the tree uh, might have been good for shade, but the Lord wasn't looking for shade. 
The tree might have been good for beauty. But the Lord wasn't looking for beauty. The Lord was looking for, for fruit. What about your life? What is God looking for in your life today? What's he looking, what is he finding in your life? Sometimes in our life, we have a lot of the leaves, a lot of the outwardness. We dress right. We carry the right Bible to church. We act right. We know how to talk and know all the phrases. But what is God looking for? He's not looking for that outside. He's looking for something on the inside. He's looking for the fruit of your life. Now you calculate, if you're saved here this morning, you have embraced Christ as your Savior. You, threshold, you stepped over that threshold of darkness into light and you've been saved. You can look back and think on that time. How long ago was it? For some, it may be many, many years. For others, maybe not so long. Others may be months and maybe even weeks or perhaps even days. But since you have been saved, what fruit is there in your life? Not the leaves of the outside, but what fruit is there uh, in your life today? The Lord is interested in fruit. The question is, what will you do and what will I do in this new year to produce fruit for God? It's easy to have the outward adorning, but to have the inward reality of the presence of Christ and power and fruit in our life, that's a whole different story. How many changes need to be made in our life this new year? And are you willing to let God give you the power to change those things? Or are we just going to continue on as we did in, uh, in 2019 and 2018 and 2017? And you want to trace it all the way back to the 1900s? Or will there be some changes made in our life that it may be more fruitful unto God? We go back to our text back in Luke chapter number 13, if you will. Here's this other fig tree that Jesus spoke of in this parable here. And the Bible says that this man came and for three years he had planted the fig tree and first year there was no fruit. The second year there was no fruit. The third year there was no fruit and he about had it. He said, that's it. I planted this tree for fruit. It's not producing fruit. He told the caretaker, cut it down. It's cumbered the ground. Let's cut it down. Let's get rid of it. Let's put something in its place that will produce. It's only cumbering the ground. I can understand how that man felt. When uh, we, I moved back into my house I grew up in. I grew up in the house I currently live in. Moved there when I was three and went off to Bible college and pastored a church in New Jersey, came back to Connecticut, and eventually uh, moved into the house that I was raised in, bought it for mom after dad went to be with Glory. And uh, we were there, and the neighbor next door was very kind, and in her backyard, she had various fruit trees uh, that she would grow. There were some peach trees and some apple trees, and I believe some cherry trees, and she just enjoyed that in her backyard. Well, she knew we moved in, and she wanted to do something nice for us as a neighbor, so she gave us a, a peach tree to plant in our yard. And we made a big thing about it. 
got all the boys out there. I picked out a spot where we could see it looked like a nice sunny spot and everything. And we got out there and, and I dug the hole and, and I, we made almost like a ceremony about it. And he moved into this house and we're going to plant this peach tree. And I built this thing up. I said, boys, this peach tree is going to go grow. It's going to have peaches. Mama's going to make peach pie and peach cobbler. And we're going to have uh, uh, peach, uh, fresh peaches to eat. Well, we put that thing in there and it grew and it grew and it grew and it got taller. But I never got a peach. One year, it did get a blossom. Woo! I got excited. It got a blossom, and uh, I watched that thing. And pretty soon, I saw the little peach and that tree. I watched it. We're going to get at least one peach. One day I pulled around the driveway, looked at it, and it shriveled up and fell off. I said, that's it. I'm getting the axe. I went to the garage, got the axe, and I cut that thing down. I wanted peaches. It looked pretty. Had pretty leaves, nice shaped tree, just no peach. So I can understand how this man felt. <laughs> Three years, I'm looking for fruit. How long has God been looking for fruit in your life? How long has God been yearning to see you produce and reproduce in your, from your life another life for Christ? How many people will be in heaven because of you? How many people will be saved this next coming year because you passed out a track or you witnessed to somebody or you testified of God's goodness? What fruit will be in your life? Well, this man says, that's it. I'm tired of this tree. I want to cut it. I want to cut it down. Now, something happened. This tree was destined for disaster. Cut up. Probably burned in the fire. But I want you to notice in verse number seven, there was an intercessor. There was somebody that came and interceded for that tree. The master said, cut it down. It's no good. But somebody interceded and said, sir, In verse 8, let it alone this year also. Let's give the tree another chance. Let's give the tree another year. How many years has God given you? How many years has God called you? How many years has God spoken to you? And yet, no fruit. He said, let's give it another year. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to dig all around it. Maybe the soil got hard and the rain couldn't go down to the roots, nourish it, and just kind of ran off. I'm going to dig it up. I'm going to soften up the soil. That's what I need in my heart. That's what you need in your heart. It's for God to soften it up this morning. You may be sitting here in this auditorium and your heart is hard. 
you're here, you're pleasant, but your heart is hard. The word of God just cannot seem to seep down to its roots. The intercessor said, I'm going to dig all around it. Maybe some weeds have grown and choked up the nutrients of the soil. And instead of going into the fig tree, it went into the weeds. It said, I'm going to pull those weeds out. Maybe there are things in our life that God wants to take out this new year. Maybe it's an attitude. Maybe it's a, it's a feeling. Maybe it's a fear. Maybe it's a doubt. Maybe it's some type of revenge or some type of hatred that's deep down inside you. God wants to pull it out. Now, if you have a garden, you know what it's like to weed the garden. I don't know about you, but the weeds seem to grow better than the vegetables. I was thinking of using reverse psychology someday and plant weed seed and see if vegetables come up. I'm sure that wouldn't work, though. You know what it's like. You get the weeds, right? And you go out there and you, and you pull it up. Now, what happens when you pull it up? You get a chunk of dirt with it usually, don't you? Now, do you just take that whole chunk and throw it away? No, what do you do? You, you, you shake it up, right? You get, you get the good stuff away from the weeds back down. That's what God wants to do in your life. That's what a lot of folks just don't understand about God. That God wants to take out the bad things in life, but leave the good things for you and for me. There are things that God knows that harm you. There are things that God knows that hurt you, and he wants to take them out. But when he pulls them, it hurts. It hurts. I'm going to dig around it. Maybe there's some, some, some rocks that are in there. And if you have a garden you know in New England, you can't dig very far before you find rocks. That's why we have so many stone walls around here. Because <laughs> the farmers plowed the field to get all these rocks, got to do something with them, you know. Any hard rocks in your heart and in your life that hurt your spiritual growth today? Let me dig around it, sir. Let me take out the weeds. Soften up the soil. Let me take out the hard rocks. But that's not all. He said, I'm going to fertilize it. I'm not only going to take things out, but I'm going to put things back in. See, this tree was given another chance. Has God ever given you a second chance? Has God ever given you another opportunity? Maybe you failed somewhere along the line. Did God just utterly cast you off? Did God just say, I knew you wouldn't stick with it. I knew you wouldn't do it. No, no. There was an intercessor of Jesus, of the Holy Spirit. And I'm sure that the justice of God would have been clear and certainly justified to condemn us in our wrong, in which we have done. But the Holy Spirit said, Father, let me work with them. Let me intercede on their behalf. Let me get them to church and maybe through the preaching of the word of God or through the singing of the hymns, I can soften the heart. Give them another chance. Give them another opportunity. God's given me not only a second, but how many more than a second, third, or fourth opportunity in my life? It's the Holy Spirit that's the intercessor for you. He wants to work in your heart. He wants to work in your life. 
But folks, he will not work in my heart and he will not work in your heart unless we allow him to. And how willing are you this morning? How willing are you to say to God this morning, Lord, I am willing to have you soften my heart? You say, oh, my heart's soft. Well, can any man really know his heart? It's deceitful, isn't it? The Bible teaches and desperately wicked. Say, would you come to God? Say, God, pull out some things in my life. Maybe you don't even aware, you aren't even aware of what they are. Would you ask God, God, show me what's wrong in my heart, what's wrong in my life? Then you may not like it, but it'd be the best thing in the world. I I, I didn't like it when I had my gallbladder. I didn't want to go in the hospital for that. I liked all my parts. <laughs> but you know, uh, they took it out. There's something wrong with it. They took it out, and you know what? Best decision I ever made. Was I looking forward to it? Did it hurt? Yeah. But it was for my benefit, not my harm. Would you understand that's what God wants to do in your life? Some young people miss this. Oh, God wants to do is take this away. God wants to take that away. God, take this away. You don't understand. God knows what's better for your life than you do. And we come to a point where we must trust God. God promises in the book of Joel uh, to give uh, beauty uh, uh, for, 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 for ashes. I was preaching in a mission one time. And the mission had the rule, and most missions do, that you don't eat unless you come to service. You come to the church service, hear the preaching, and then we have the meal. Well, we were there, and uh, I was uh, at that meeting, and I wasn't preaching. it. I was just a young boy, just a teenage boy, and some of the men from our church were going to the mission to preach. And I had a testimony time, and an old ex-drunk stood up, I know you say, well, preacher, that's not a very nice word. No, drunkenness isn't nice. It's a terrible thing. How many lives are taken on the road? Innocent lives. How many heartbreaks? How many divorces? How many abuses of wives and of children and of husbands because of alcohol? If we only knew how devastating it was, we would run from it as you would a serpent. And he stood up, this drunk stood up, and and he said, and he gave a Bible verse, but he kind of slurred his words a little bit. And he said, I thank God for the Bible verse that Christ Jesus came into the world to save cinders, <laughs> of whom I am chief. Now, you know the word cinders is what Scripture says, but he kind of misplaced cinders. And I sat there and I thought about that through the years and, you know, that was like my life. Isn't the fireplace nice while it's burning? It's so warm and the fire is so cozy and you sit there. But after it dies out, what's left? The ashes, the cinders. Many people's lives are just like that. They live their life and, oh, it's glowing and everything's going good, but the fire goes out and there's nothing left. Because only what's done for Christ is really going to last in our life. The things of this world, your job, you have it today. Who knows what you'll have tomorrow? 
Your wealth, what you have today, could be wiped out tomorrow. In one moment, your health can be taken from you. Life is just so uncertain, isn't it? And so we burn brightly now, but time's coming when the fire goes out and there's nothing but ashes left in our life. God says, I want to restore those ashes and the beauty of ashes. He wants to restore the years, the Bible says, that the locusts have eaten. Now, what about our life today? What about us? When we stop and think of our life, of the disappointments of 2019, the hurts, the pain that we went through. Oh, there were some good things. There were some good times. But they're all over. And now, like a clean blanket of snow, there's a new year before us. Untouched, untread upon. What will you make of it? God wants to fertilize our hearts and our lives and our souls. How is that done? It's done, first of all, through church services. Hey, I'll tell you, I, I, if you don't like the preaching today, that's fine, but you can't argue with the music. Amen? My heart was touched as our brother sang, and as we sang, he lifted our voices together. I'll tell you, it's worth coming to church just for the music. <laughs> but as long as you're here, stay for the preaching anyway. God wants to fertilize us by coming. And through prayer and through Bible study and fellowship. Do you ever get to a point in your life that says, I don't want to see anybody. I don't want to talk with anybody. Maybe you're in depression and you're just not in the mood for fellowship, especially some of the bubbly Christian that will come along. You know, and they, Hi, how are you? Glory to God. Good seeing you. You're just, not in, you're just not in the mood. And you want to isolate yourself. You want to stay home. Don't do that. There's a weeds that grow and choke your tree for fruit unto God. If you're not feeling, uh, you're feeling depressed, come to church depressed. <laughs> and it's better you sit here depressed and get the joy of the Lord than to stay home and miss all that God has for you, for you. Let's give that tree another chance. 2020 is another chance for you. What are you going to do with it? If you're here this morning and you have never embraced Christ as your Savior, you say, preacher, what do you mean by that? I'm a good person. I'm a Christian. How does one become a Christian? You ever stop to think about that? Well, my mother and father are Christian. I was born in a Christian home. I go to a Christian church. Going to church, a Christian church, won't make you a Christian any more than going to McDonald's and make you a hamburger. <laughs> a church can't make you a Christian. Oh, they could say you're a Christian, but that doesn't not the same as making you a Christian. You say, but I was baptized. Baptism doesn't make you a Christian. You could be baptized over and over and over again and still not be a Christian. A Christian isn't something you do. A Christian is something that happens to you when you put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ. A Christian is one that acknowledges that I have sinned and who in this auditorium would have the arrogance to say you've never sinned? For indeed, if you were to say that, you would have just sinned a sin of lying. 
for we all know we have sinned, and the Bible makes it clear that all have, come, uh, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. Oh, you may do good, and you may do better than someone else, but that's just like I stand here, and I'm going to jump from here to that back door in one leap. And so I said, and I just, maybe I'll hit right about there, that 10-foot mark. Well, it's 10 feet. Some of you athletic young guys, you said, preacher, you're an old man. I could do better than you. And he gets up there, and before he jumps down, maybe four pews down. Now, he did better than me, didn't he? But he still fell short of reaching the door. Somebody comes out as a real athletic person, and maybe they make it halfway down. But he still fell short. And that's what the Bible says, that no matter how good we are, we fall short of the glory of God. And that is why God, in his love and mercy, sent Jesus to this earth. One who never sinned. One who never failed. One who was the inherent word of God, incarnate word of God upon this earth. Celebrated Christmas a few, moments, a few weeks ago and in the incarnation of our Savior who never had sinned. Therefore, he can go to the cross and bear our sin for you and for me. If I were to say to you, folks, come to church tonight and bring all your bills. Bring your mortgage, your car payment, I'm going to pay all your bills tonight. I wonder what kind of attendance we'd have. <laughs> but you know what? I couldn't do that. Why? Because I got bills. <laughs> I got bills just like. So how can one man absolve you of your sin when he has his own sin? That's why Jesus, having no sin, could take our sin upon him. And pay the debt and the penalty. How much do you owe God today, Christian? How much do you owe the Lord? We look at this fig tree and the one in Mark. What does God see in your life? Leaves. Thank God for that. You could be a Sunday school teacher, but that's a leaf. And it's good that you do teach Sunday school. You might be uh, uh, something else in the church. But God's not looking for outward leaves he's looking for fruit and the only one that could produce it the only one that could produce it is you how does the church grow well the pastor's got to get out there and the pastor's got to do this and the pa- uh, yeah I understand that and I'm preaching in his absence but have you ever thought shepherds Don't produce sheep. Sheep produce sheep. Who's the sheep? That's us. Now, the shepherd can keep the sheep healthy so they could produce. He can bring them to those green pastures and still waters. Yes, so they could produce. And as a Christian himself, surely he produces fruit for God and so in it. As a Christian, but it's sheep that produce sheep. What will we do this next year? 
I was in the mall, I walked by a store, and I, a men's store, suits and such, and there was a mannequin in the window, and I, I like the tie. I usually don't. I've got plenty of ties for Father's Day, birthdays, Christmas. I get ties. That's not a problem. As most fathers know, it happens to you too. And uh, I saw this particular tie. I said, but I really like that. So I went in to inquire how much a tie was. If that tie wasn't overly expensive, there's no way in the world I'm going to spend $100 for a tie. I'm just not going to do that. So I just, I just, I went to, I said, sir, that tie that's on that mannequin there in the window, uh, I'm kind of interested in that. How much is it? And he gave me the price. It was a reasonable price. I said, well, I think I'll buy it. He said, okay. So he goes to the back room and he comes back and said, I'm sorry, sir, I can't sell you one. I said, well, why not? He says, we don't have any more. We ran out. I said, well, why don't you just give me the one that's on the dummy out there? I mean, he, not, he didn't mess it up. <laughs> he says, oh, I can't sell that to you. I said, why not? He said, that's for display purposes only. Hmm. Are you for display purposes only? Or are we producing fruit for God? A question that comes to my mind. Verse 9. And if it bear fruit, well... And if not, we'll, we'll cut it down. Are you thinking what well, I'm thinking? Did that tree ever produce? Jesus never finished the parable. <laughs> I would have loved to have him say, and a year later it produced fruit. And, oh, that'd be wonderful. Or a year later it was still not producing fruit. And that was cut. We don't know. And I think for a good reason. Could go either way. And so can you. And so can you. I don't know what happened to that tree. Did it prove itself? Did it bear fruit? Or was it indeed cast aside and burned? What will we do with this next year? What will become of us? We have a God that wants to give you another opportunity this year. Men, to be a better husband to your wife. And father to I'm a good father. I didn't say you weren't. Better. Better husband. Better father. Wives. A better wife. A better mother. A better home. Christians. A better church member. Producing fruit. Producing fruit for, for the Lord. Another chance. Honey. I don't know how much time I have left. This year, in May, I'll be 74 years old. <laughs> I don't know how many days I have left. I don't know how many years are before me. That's out of my hands. But I have determined that whatever time I have left, I'm going to make use for God. You would say, oh, preacher, I can understand you're old and you're getting close to that place there. Uh, you don't know how close you are. For death is no respecter of persons. Anyone in this auditorium, from the youngest of us and the children down in children's church to the oldest of us here can enter into eternity within this next year, this next day, perhaps even the next hour. What will you do with Jesus? If you're here and maybe you're religious, but you're not saved. You've been baptized, but you've not been born again. 
You go to a, a church, but you're not in the family of God. Would you this morning open up your heart to him? Would you be willing to openly and come to an altar this morning and to say and kneel before God or sit in the front row or say, God, I know I'm a sinner, but I believe that you died for me on that cross and I cannot save myself. That all my good works, I still fall short. And I'm asking for your mercy and your grace. And I receive you this morning as my personal self. Scores of us have done that in this auditorium. And if you haven't done it, why don't you do it today? And Christian, what about us? Leaves? We just have leaves. I want fruit for God. Whatever that fruit is, I want to produce it for the Lord. Would you stand with me and look up this way, please? Time has passed so quickly. Our service is over. And another Sunday morning of the year. God, you know we'll never relive this day. We'll never get back this hour. It's gone. Can we be about our Father's business? I'm going to ask you, someone, if you will, who would have a heart to say to God, God, I want fruit in my life this year. Or as Jesus said, fruit, I want more fruit, much fruit in my life and in my home. And if that's your desire, or to receive Christ this morning, whatever it might be, I'm going to ask you right now, someone, if you will, to step out from where you are and come to this altar this morning and say, God, I want more than leaves in my life. I want fruit for you. Does someone come? God bless you, sister. God bless you, my brother. That's right. God bless you. That's right. You come. You come. Join us together. I want fruit in my life. Oh, I have fruit. Yeah, I want more fruit. I want much fruit for God. That's right. You keep coming. You keep coming. Wherever you are, you just come. God bless you. Folks of all ages up here, I want fruit in my life. I want my days to count in 2020 for Jesus. Yesterday's gone, but I got another chance. I got another opportunity. I've been spared another year. I want to make the most of it for God. Will others join us in this last few moments of this service and say, I want to be part of this preacher. I want to be part of it. You come right now. Lord, I know that one day, one day, my life will be over. I'll preach my last sermon. I'll give the last invitation. I'll drive that last mile. But Lord, to that day, I want to bear fruit for you. You're giving me another year, Lord. Clean, fresh. Father, I pray. Lord Jesus, help us. And these at this altar have prayed and are praying right now, Lord, that their life will be more than leaves but be fruitful for you. Help us, dear Lord, to redeem the time for it is quickly passing away from us. 
in Jesus' name.